Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And, you know, today I'm excited. Well, I'm usually excited, but I'm really excited today because I've been so enjoying having back some of my favorite guests to do another episode with us. And today we have Mark Raban, and I'm, I'm excited because, you know, there are people I don't know if you ever read the Anna Green Gable series or watched the movie, but, you know, there's people that are kindred spirits. So you talk to them and you know that, you know, they sort of have the same frame of mind as you, maybe some of the same experiences. They kind of see life the same way. And that's the way I felt when I first met Mark. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. It's good to talk to you again. And thank you for the kind words there. I think we have a lot to talk about today. Is uh, It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. So Mark is an author. He's a speaker and a consultant. He's the author of the book Lean Hospitals and is the co-author of a second book titled Healthcare Kaizen. I hope I you said got it correctly. You did. Both books are recipients of the uh, Shingo Professional Publication and Research Award. His most recent book is Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More. Mark earned a BS in industrial engineering. That's interesting, a BS. Uh, I hope I'm not full of BS today. (laughs) (laughs) A bachelor's of science, not a BS degree. I'm not a BSer. So Mark earned a a Bachelor of Silence in Industrial Engineering from Northwestern University and also attended graduate school at MIT, where he earned an MS in Mechanical Engineering and an MBA from MIT Sloan Leaders for Global Operations Program. But how I best know Mark is the My Favorite Mistake podcast. And back, you know, in early spring this year, Uh, We had Mark here on the Author to Authority podcast, and I was episode 29 on the My Favorite Mistake podcast. And I really remember doing that because it was such an interesting concept to me. You know, what would I what would be the one mistake I would tell myself, my younger self not to make? Right. And I've thought about that a few times since we did it. And I don't remember what I said the first time, but I've, I've been thinking about it. So we'll, we'll do a little return to my favorite mistake podcast here on the Author to Authority podcast. And the one thing I think I would tell myself is not to live my life in fear and don't be afraid to go for it and just really go for it and pay the cost. 
I think that's what I would tell myself looking back at it now. Yeah. I mean, back in the episode, you talked about like not knowing who you wanted to work with. Like you, you had allowed yourself to get too busy instead of maybe kind of carving out and picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that, I mean, cause we, we talk about learning from mistakes in the podcast. So hopefully that's a good adjustment that you've been able to make Kim. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I get to work with wonderful people now and I so enjoy it. So one thing um, that Mark and I were talking just before we recorded the podcast was about using your ears. Now, both Mark and I are published authors. We're well-versed in the written form of the word, but we were thinking about the power of, you know, the vocal word, you know, the word that is spoken, the words that we listen to. And I wanted Mark to kind of talk a little bit. We're going to talk about a few different subjects, Mm -hmm. but he taught, he was telling me how he turned his podcast into an audio book. So let's start there, Mark. Talk about mm-hmm. that. Cause I mean, I find that fascinating. Well, I mean, I have almost 300 episodes in the Authors of Authority podcast. Maybe I could turn that into an audiobook. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting to think of how different projects work together. You know, I've released at this recording um, date 113 episodes so far of my favorite mistake. Woo. And one of my guests in the first 10 episodes asked me basically, are you doing these podcasts because you plan on writing a book about this? I thought, well, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe a way of mining the interviews and stitching that together into a book. So that's one possibility. But then there was a different project that I did as a book um, uh, called Practicing Lean. It's an anthology. So I wrote um, two chapters kind of teeing up the theme, sharing some of my own stories. It's very much along the lines of my favorite mistake, right? But talking about like mistakes we've made professionally early in our careers that we've learned from and to share those stories along the lines of, hey, if you're new to a field or a discipline, you're going to make mistakes. And part of the writing is a reminder to myself or to try to help others to remember, like don't be too hard on people when they're new at something because you were new at something once yourself. And so the book is a collection of chapters from 15 other, um, you know, really accomplished people mm-hmm. who are sharing a similar story. Here's something that I did. I didn't know better. Now I know looking back, <laughs> you know, and they write, they wrote their stories. And so that book has gotten really good reviews. And um, one of the contributors had a daughter who's graduating college and she wanted to do some voice work, including audiobook narration. So he actually reached out and said, well, my daughter would like to basically to volunteer to do the audiobook reading and the proceeds of the book royalties to begin with were all being donated to a nonprofit, the Louise H. Batch, Bats Patient Safety Foundation. Mm-hmm. And so she was happy to do it, A, to have some experience, B, yeah. to put it in her portfolio, and, and C, um, the money was going to a, a charity. So I didn't feel bad about, I, otherwise I would have wanted to pay her. I wouldn't have wanted her, her to do it for free. And so she did the reading. Um, she recorded it really well. I decided to read and record my own two chapters in my own voice. And we had one other contributor, Paul Akers, where it's funny, basically he writes by speaking into the, the, uh, the, the microphone and getting it transcribed as a first draft. So he had a recording of him basically reading 
his own chapter with his own um, you know unique higher energy level, right? So um, put the recordings together, and I originally just released it as a podcast series, just making it available for free. Mm-hmm tagging on, hey, if you like listening to this and you would like to support a good cause and you want to buy the book, the money will go uh, to this good cause. And then eventually I was able to, you know, kind of tweak the audio levels correctly to the right level um, where I could submit it to Audible through their um, ACX self-publishing program. And it was, you know, it passed their quality checks and it's available on sale now um, through Audible. And the podcast, I've actually scaled it back to where there's a couple of chapters available, mainly now as a promo for if you want the whole thing, please go buy the audiobook. So it was a chance for me to experiment. Could, you know, could I self-publish a reasonably good quality audiobook myself? You know, it, it is amazing over the years you know, two things I've seen. First of all, is the fact that, you know, it it's not always easy, but anybody can learn how to write and self-publish a book. Like I said, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. easy, but it is now doable. Yeah. And it can be learned. Yes. You know, and now you we take it to the next level and that's being able to produce audiobooks. You know, uh as a company, RTI Publishing, we're going to be offering audiobooks soon. Right now, I'm working with my audio engineer, and we're doing my book first, the author to authority book first, uh, as the test project. Obviously, it's it's best if I just use my own stuff as a test project, and I'll probably give one mm-hmm. of my clients a really good deal for being the first client project on it, right? Because you know yeah. there still will be some bugs to work out. But I'm excited that, you know, this is now an opportunity. And there was a couple of things while you were speaking that occurred to me. First of all, I loved how you said, you know, when everybody's new, they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's important to remember. And don't be so hard on yourself, but also don't be so hard on new people. I always work with new people and I consider that a teaching and training time. Right. I know they're going to make mistakes. I know they're not going to fully get it all the time. So it's going to take time. Um, You know, something else that you mentioned that I I really liked was the fact that now what you did is you took, you know, you took one or two of the podcast episodes and now you use that as a way to advertise the book. And I was thinking, huh, maybe I, I need to do some you know, take some of the recordings of the chapters and make them into podcast episodes, maybe release one or two as a, you know, sort of a preview to the book. So that that was mm-hmm. really kind of cool. So what kind of response have you gotten to the audiobook? It's sell. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I mean, it's not a bestseller. It's not setting the world on fire. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's out there because, you know, I do get requests for my existing books, um, especially the book Lean Hospitals, um, you know, is a, a best-selling book, um, you know, in the healthcare categories and, um, you know, sales have been really strong going back to the first edition in 2008. You know, I've done two revisions um, to it. And I think there's a lot of busy people, especially doctors. And, you know, they want to listen to it in their car or they go on bike rides or they're runners, or I would hope like, don't listen to it in the, in the operating room. While <laughs> like if you want to listen to music, listen to music do that sometimes, but um, like a book like lean hospitals, you know, I went through a traditional publisher mm-hmm. 
they don't do anything with audiobooks. So I had asked them years ago, like, what would happen if I wanted to do an audiobook? And they said basically, like, yeah, well, all right, knock yourself out. Like, I own the copyright to the mm-hmm. material, not the publisher. They don't do audiobooks. So I wouldn't be competing with that. Real. I mean, they're like, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, I guess I'm competing with the printed copy, but I think audiobook listeners are a very specific, <laughs> hardcore. Yeah audience. I probably wouldn't be cannibalizing book sales. So yeah, I think, I think most people are either readers or they're listeners. Yeah. Like I don't listen to audiobooks, right? Like it's yeah, just, I, I, yeah. it's not my thing. If I'm, if I have I a book, I'm reading it. I listen to podcasts, but there's a difference. Like to me, when I listen to audiobooks, like if the book's good, it gets me thinking. And then I realize, Oh geez, I've missed part. And now I need to go rewind the book. I'm not good at pausing when I maybe need to stop and think about something. Um, so I haven't done lean hospitals. Um, I would, I would probably, there's a lot of diagrams and pictures. I, I think I would do an abridged version. So it's a matter of just trying to do the cost benefit of how much time would I invest into doing the abridged version, recording it, whether like I have a reasonably good microphone here, but I would probably like a lot of people do like you go literally into a closed closet take the computer and the microphone in there because you have better sound dampening. Like I could probably record it at home or I have friends who've done audiobooks. You pay to go into a studio and get it recorded or you pay someone to read it. But I mean, I think there's something to be said for hearing it in the author's own voice, voice and inflection. So like with lean hospitals, I would have to think like, what, what's the business case? How much time and cost and effort would go into it? And how many copies am I really going to sell. And then um, final point, I was going to make my most recent book, um, Measures of Success, because it's about statistical methods for metrics and charts of business performance. Like it would really be so abridged in an audio only format. I've had people ask, and I don't think it lends itself to that. So a couple of things I'm thinking of, like whatever I write next, I want it to be a book that's almost entirely words. <laughs> because A, that's easier to self-publish than yes. something with a complex page layout where I had to pay someone to help. And then when you think of um, what lends itself to audiobook, a book that's all words yes. lends itself to that better. So those are some things I'm thinking about for the future. Yeah, my book has like some little cartoons and graphics in it, but they don't like you can read the book and go right past it and you don't, sure. you can't even tell that they're there. Right. So I, I, I for me, that worked. Um, yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking about, you know, you talked about, you know, going into a closet. I had my audio engineer take a course. She's uh, my daughter's best friend. So I want to give opportunities mm-hmm. to young people. And uh, one of the things they suggested, you know, you've got, get your microphone, you have to have a good microphone. I've got the, you know, the screen thing that, cause I sing and I, pronounce my p's and put yeah. all over the place you've got a pop filter i've got one yeah too yeah <laughs> when i first started doing the podcast i didn't have one and that was i was working with a podcast mentor and he's like kim you pop your p's like all the time i know i'm a classically trained singer you're you're trained to pronunciate and that was part of it now i've got to unlearn yeah. how to do that yeah. But one of the things they suggested was like taking a blanket. So you have your microphone in front of you, right? And you've got a blanket over your head and you're, you know, you're reading your book to kind of yeah. to dampen the sound. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, how important do you think it is for entrepreneurs to really take advantage of this new sort of 
you know, audio environment, right? Because, you know, I think all of us as entrepreneurs, we have our preferred way of doing things. You know, some people like videos, some people like writing, some people like audio, but how, how important do you think audio is right now in terms of, you know, really being able to get yourself out there as an entrepreneur? Um, I, I think it's important. I mean, that that's an opinion. I think it's been helpful for me. I don't look at what I've done and say, oh, well, that was a waste of time. Um, it's inexpensive to produce something that's good quality. I mean, I, my, my, cam, my microphone is off frame just a little bit, but I have my microphone like just, you know, right here, I've got a pop filter. I've got kind of a uh, uh, a sound ball around the microphone to help absorb. I'm not getting echoes off the wall because I'm not in a good um, studio space. But anyway, like you can get a, a, a really good microphone for a hundred dollars. Yes. You can get a stand for twenty dollars. You can get a basic pop filter is real inexpensive. The software is free. A lot of the services are free. Um, you can also record video and put it on YouTube, which is again free. It's like so the cost to entry is low. That's good and bad. You have a ton of competition for people's time and ears and eyeballs because the cost of entry is so low. But um, just you know, yesterday, I interviewed a guest for a future episode of My Favorite Mistake. Um, he's got a book coming out in January titled Nightmare Success. He, um, he ended up uh, in prison for four years because his family business, mostly it sounds like his dad's fault, um, his dad's doing, but as CEO of the company, he was held accountable, you know, financial fraud, mail fraud, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of an ugly story, but he was willing to talk about the mistakes he made and, and what he's learned from that and advice for, for others. But so he's got the book and now he's also got a podcast series that it sounds like is complimentary. Mm-hmm. So he's already launched the podcast in advance of the book and it's called nightmare success in and out where he's interviewing other people who are out of prison, like people he may have met or people he's found from other places. So he's doing the podcast mm-hmm. and in each podcast, he of course mentions the book Yes, is coming out. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's free to inexpensive. Then the question is, well, then how, how effective is it? Can you, can you get people to actually enter the pipeline, if you will, for the book by listening to the podcast. It, it's hard to break through the clutter of all the podcasts that are out there. Um, so he's, you know, part of his strategy is to go be on other people's podcasts. And final, final thought I was going to share on this. You know, I, I work with a lot of PR firms to book guests on my podcast. A lot of them are authors. And, um, you know, one of the PR people said, podcast listeners buy books. And, and they said, like, you could you could go on TV and like that might be an ego boost and it might be exciting to say, well, you know, you're on TV. But they're like, yeah, when you talk about the return on that, um, even a more narrow podcast that might not be quite the ego boost. They're like podcast listeners read books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they buy books, better yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you and I were talking before we came on about how podcasting is more of a long-term game, right? It's not that you can't get results, um, you know, but you talked about going on other podcasts and, and, you know, if you're going to do a podcast, get on other podcasts, mm-hmm. 
you know, if you want to advertise your podcast, we're our podcast listeners mm -hmm. on other podcasts. Yeah. And so, you know, you want to use your podcasting as a long-term tool to build audience, mm -hmm. right? It's not about, if you think that you're, you know, you're going to get rich quick by doing a podcast, no. you know, it's a lot of work. And like you said, sometimes it's not easy to get found. And if you look, most podcasts do, I think what they said, most podcasts don't make it past the fifth ep episode. Yeah, the, um, the the early mortality rate for a podcast is high because I think it sounds fun and then people get started. And then if it doesn't set the world on fire, maybe this well, uh, they, they, they get discouraged or they give up. Or I think a lot of people started pandemic podcasts and then maybe they've gotten back to um, being busier with their usual professional stuff. So like there's one guy I know who started a podcast and he did a couple dozen episodes, but he's at least for now putting it back on hold because his, his more normal uh, business is, uh, is consuming more of his time. But um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, you, you can reach out to podcasters and propose yourself. You don't have to use a PR service. Um, there are a couple different websites that are designed for matching up hosts and guests. One, yes. uh, there's Podbooker, there's Podmatch, there's matchmaker.fm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, services where you can go and pitch yourself. And I think being a host, other thing I was going to say to learn, like it's good experience to be a guest because then you can see for one, how other hosts operate, mm -hmm. what's their prep, what's their scheduling process, what kind of, do they do a, a pre-call or do they want you to fill out an intake form and how do they promote their podcast? And I think there's a lot to be learned from just going through the experience as a guest and then thinking through how do you create a better experience for your own guests? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to consider, think of podcasting sort of as not, I don't want to say a business, but you know, it, it's something you have to take seriously. You know, if you want to be a successful podcaster, you know, you have to put your systems in place, you know, like how do you schedule? Um, you know, I, because between my business working internationally, um, you know, I use scheduling software. I use yep. schedule once it's $19 a month. Um, you know, it gives me everything I need. It hooks up to my Google calendar quite mm -hmm. nicely. You know, people can reschedule when they need to. And, and really the biggest thing was the fact that I was getting time zones mixed up left, right, and center mm -hmm. missing calls. My clients were missing calls, you know, so now that doesn't happen anymore yeah. because the, the scheduler, and I mean, I'm not sure about you, Mark, but here where I live in Canada, the time changes twice a year. Yeah. Especially right? if you're interviewing people internationally, the daylight savings time doesn't change the same time in the U S as it does in say England. Uh, I use a service called uh, youcanbook.me. Mm -hmm. It's a paid service. There's a free version, but like I was getting so much benefit from it. I felt guilty, not paying. <laughs> to be honest. So, um, but that integrates, like you said, into calendars on my side and the guest side, it translates time zones. Um, it'll automatically generate a zoom meeting. Yeah, exactly. Unique to that and send it out to me and the guest. And like you said, people can self-serve rescheduling and, um, and what and you can do reminder emails. Like you did. I got I got emails from, uh, Kim's service, I think a day in advance, an hour in advance and 10 minutes in advance. Um, so yeah, having process with some technology 
mm-hmm. can can be really helpful. And you know, I think there's a parallel to you know between podcasting and publishing. Mm-hmm. Like self-publishing, like I, I think self-publishing can be done very professionally. Yes. There may be times you have someone to help, somebody like Kim, or you may have somebody um, help you a little bit with your podcast, or you could do it you know, on, on an ongoing basis. There are services that you can pay for. Or someone like me, I, I learned the technology back in 2006. I'm computer savvy enough. I kind of enjoy, I don't do woodworking. I don't build things with my hands. So I build things digitally, yes. right? So I record, I edit, I do some graphics, I promote, but you can kind of like you could with a book, you could hire people that kind of do it for you yep. as a business partner. Or if you're so skilled, you could do it yourself. But the key, I think, you know, like you we were saying, Kim, is you can do it professionally. The yeah. sound quality doesn't have to be perfect, but you want it to be good enough that people aren't turned away by it. Yeah. Like I kind of do a hybrid, um, you know, when I first started with the podcast mentor, part of the deal that I got was, is, you know, they did the audio editing and uploading, I think for about mm-hmm. six months. <laughs> and then, you know, I kind of took over and, you know, I love giving opportunities to people and, you know, my daughter's best friend was looking for experience in this. So now, you know, I record the episodes I send them to her. She edits them. She uploads them for me. She updates the graphics. Right. And then the soft, the new software and new hosting software I have it. Now you can put the, the guests email name and email address in and it'll automatically email them when the podcast goes live. That's nice. So, you know, I, I do my part, you know, I've, I'm giving her an opportunity uh, to work. She does a great job for me. Um, because I just, I don't have the time to do it myself. You know, I own a business and I've got enough with just trying to run the business, grow the business, <laughs> all those wonderful things work with my clients. So I thought, you know what, instead of stressing myself out and trying to do this, you know, um, I gave a young person an opportunity uh-huh. to be able, you know, to do the work. She's happy with what I can pay her. She's got experience, you know, she's now had other opportunities open up for her because she worked with me. So, you know, for me, I think it's, it's a win-win situation. That's good. Yeah, that's great. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left. There's, oh, I knew there was one question I wanted to ask you about because I, okay. I know what it means. And so I want you to explain the concept um, because right now we're working with a friend of yours on a book on this concept. So mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the lean concept and Kaizen. I always have to really think about how I say that because that is such an interesting concept, which, you know, like in this case, you've applied it to hospitals, mm-hmm. but I think it's a really cool concept that anybody can apply to their business. I think it, I agree. I think it is cool and it can be applied, whether we use the word Kaizen or we can we can call it continuous improvement, or some people might call it, you know, idea systems, employee idea systems. Um, so, if, you know, uh, you know, I'm wearing my uh, happen to be wearing my shirt today with the Kinexus logo on it. So, um, the the author that that you're helping, Kim, uh, Greg Jacobson, he's an ER doctor. He started Kinexus over a decade ago. It's a a web based software company that helps companies um, manage their continuous improvement ideas from their employees or improvement projects and business metrics. And, and it's, it's the kind of the home base for everyone's improvement activity. 
And so, um, you know, Kaizen is the basis for the company. It's a Japanese word. Kaizen is basically translates to mean good change. If you take the Mm. two characters, Kai and Zen, you think Zen, you think of, well, good, calm, peaceful. Like we use the word Zen. So Kaizen, you know, it's just, it's not just good. It's not just change. It's change for the better. But the context usually is, you know, organizational continuous improvement. How do you engage everybody in the organization? Meaning everybody, not specialists, not improvement experts, everybody, that everyone's expert in their own job. How do you support them? And not just listening to what their ideas are, but how do you help them test their Mm -hmm. ideas in the workplace? Like sometimes you have an idea that you have to escalate to your leadership team or or an expert to work on. But but gosh, probably at least 90% of the time, people's ideas that they come up with are things that they can help test and put into place. So it's not a suggestion box. You know, there there are many, many differences. Um, Suggestion box systems generally don't work. Uh, A healthy Kaizen or continuous improvement process will um, be much more effective. So, you know, you, instead of locking ideas up in a box, literally locking them away, you may use a bulletin board or you may use web-based software to give visibility and transparency and allow people um, to collaborate. And then, you know, you close the loop and make sure you give recognition. Yes, not necessarily rewards. Like you could talk about rewards and recognition, but my goodness, recognition means it's so huge. much. Rewards can get dysfunctional. You have to be careful yeah. um, about that. So, um, you know, this idea originated in manufacturing. That's where my career started. But people use it in healthcare and all kinds of service sectors. Um, star, uh, you know, Starbucks was teaching baristas and store managers how to do Kaizen. And, um, you know, so the Kinex's of software is built for, you know, we have customers in, gosh, just about every line of work and industry that you can imagine. Yeah. And I love that concept. Now, I mean, most of my audience here are very small entrepreneurs, but I love mm-hmm. that concept of continuous improvement. You know, how can you as an entrepreneur make things better? Right. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the things is, is putting systems in place into your business. Mm-hmm you know, and then you tweak those systems. So, you know, but that's a whole other, we could do a whole sure. podcast episode just on that alone. Yeah. But Mark, if people have enjoyed listening to you today and want to find out more about you and your podcast and your books, how can they connect with you? Yeah. Well, thanks, Kim. Uh, markgraben.com is my website. Mark Raven is a unique enough name. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find on different social media platforms. Um, the podcast um, can be found, my favorite mistake can be found anywhere you're listening to this podcast, probably. Um, you can also go to the web at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com if you want to check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been such a joy having you back on. So this has been Mark Raban and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility, 
and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.